0: Today's message, <clears throat> today's message is, in call, is called persistent prayer, uh, and so I'd like to explain a little bit <clears throat> why this is such an important thing. Uh, I believe the number one reason why people, many people, have chosen not to walk with God or believe God is because sometimes they have prayed for something, uh, prayed for a loved one, prayed for a situation, and it didn't happen. So one, either they became offended at God or for another reason is they just didn't believe that God was real, that God didn't answer prayer or God didn't answer their prayer. And so they just literally walked away. And so today we're going to talk about why it's important to pray, pray persistently, pray continually, uh, and not give up. If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says... Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Persistent. <clears throat> the definition of persistent is to continue to grab a hold of something firmly and to stick with that course of action. action, uh, Not to divert, deviate, even if it means uh, difficulty or opposition. Um, sometimes obstinately, no matter what, you're going to do it. So, as Scripture says, Stay alert, stay alert, especially during this season with the the COVID-19 and the crisis that's impacting the world. God wants us to be consistent, one, to stay alert, to stay safe, and two, to be consistent, persistent in your prayers. That means pray and do not give up. It's like a bulldog that latches a hold of somebody and says, I'm not going to let go no matter what. In James 4, verse 8, it says, come near to God or draw near to God. And God says, I will draw near to you. This is a season when people are having to stay at home. They're having to have time with their family. But it's also a time when God's saying, I'm giving you time to rest. It's I'm giving you time to spend time with me. And I want you to be consistent. I want you to be persistent and to not give up. You know, in life, we get to choose what controls us. We can either choose what the world says we are, or we can define what God says we are. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, in all things, all things are lawful to me, Paul says, but I will not be dominated or I will not be controlled by anything. Paul says, guys, I can do anything I want, but I'm not going to do all things and I'm not going to let certain things control me. And in life, one of the things that's happened is a lot of things that America gave their lives to have literally been put on hold. People can't go to sports games. They can't do to all these different things, sports, jobs, activities, and they're having to stay alone, spend time with their family, and spend time with God. God says, I'm going to have no gods before me. God wants to be the number one center of, of our attention, and that's him with us. I'd like to share a story of why it's important to keep praying and to not give up. There was a certain dad and he had a little boy and and, uh, they had been talking about having more children. And the little boy said, Daddy, I want a baby brother. And so dad said, well, son, why don't you start praying that God would give you a baby brother? And so the little boy prayed. And so he prayed for a month and um, started praying. He'd say it when he went to bed. Uh, And he prayed for a month and and nothing would happen. So he started a second month, and he prayed again, and still at the end of the second month, nothing had happened. Starting into the third month, he prays, nothing happens, and so he just stops praying. Now, about five months later, the dad takes him to the hospital, walks him up to this wall with a curtain and and. They slide the curtain back, and he says, what's that? He says, it's a baby boy. He says, well, that's your brother. He says, wow. And so then the dad says, that's not all. They pull a second curtain back. He says, what's that? He says, it's another baby brother. Two? He said, yes, two. He says, but that's not all. He says, they pull a third curtain back, and it's another little baby brother. And he says, aren't you glad you didn't stop praying? He says, dad, you ought to be glad that I did stop praying because it's five months later. We would have had five of them. So that's supposed to be funny. (laughs) So why do we keep praying? It's because God has so much more for us. He tells us a promise. He tells us a truth. And he gives us an opportunity to let it become a part of our life. So... Let me ask some some questions about prayer because, again, God is all-knowing, God is sovereign, all those things. But if if God is omnipotent, that means that uh, he has all power. So I want to ask a question. Does God have all power that you don't need to answer? But we all know, yes, he does. For God to release his power on the earth, does he need us to pray. I'm not going to answer that question right now, but I want you to think about it. <clears throat> Does God need us to like in Luke chapter 18 when he was teaching about the the importance of persistent prayer, he says in Luke chapter 18, he talked about the persistent widow. It's about an unjust judge who a woman, persistent widow, kept coming and asking him and asking him, and finally he 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 gives her request because of her persistency. But the scripture starts out in Luke 18. It says, um, "I want you to learn the importance of of praying consistently, persistently." So, another question is, when we are praying. Are we trying to make God change his mind? Are we trying to bend his arm? Or does God require a certain amount of prayer for a certain topic? Now, over the next couple of weeks, I hope to answer several of these questions. But <clears throat> let me give you a scripture. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time... We will reap a harvest, but this is the condition, if we do not give up. You'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Now, I want to ask us some questions. Does God want his people to pray? Does God want to move powerfully on behalf of his people? And if so, why does God, if he's all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent, why does God invite his people, his children to be a part of it? Let me give you some examples. God told Elijah that there was a drought coming and for several years the drought parched the land and then God says, it's going to rain. But then Elijah for seven days had to pray. He prayed seven different times, and each time nothing happened until the final time, and God says, now's the time. The persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. Um, Let me give you another one. Daniel prayed, went into a season of prayer and fasting, and it says that he prayed, and God sent an angel on the first day And uh, sent the answer, but there was a war in the heavenlies. And so the answer did not come. The answer was sent on the first day, but it wasn't until 21 days later that the answer came. So if Daniel would have given up on the first day, the second day, the third day, would he have received his answers? He prayed until something happened. Mark chapter nine, verse 29. Right now it says this kind of 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 issue this kind of demonic control only is set free when uh you pray and fast now earlier this year here at grace our executive team uh ryan peterson just felt like from the lord that we weren't supposed to do our prayer and fast and we always do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year why is it that he felt early this year Actually, it was in August of last year when we were planning for this year that we weren't supposed to do our prayer and fasting until this time after Easter or right now when we're here is how many of you know God knew that the COVID-19 and our, our prayer series would happen at the exact same time that all the things in the world are falling apart and that we needed this season of prayer and fasting right now. How many of you know God knows that? So many things. Again, Jesus, when he was getting ready to go to the cross, he went up to the Mount of Olives, he went into a time of prayer, and he told his disciples, he says, my darkest hour is upon me. And he beckoned his disciples. He says, Satan has decided to sift you. Satan has decided to tempt you. He says, you need to enter into prayer or you're going to fail. So Jesus challenged him. He went away. He went to prayer, so much so that he was sweat blood or his tears were his blood. And when he came back, he found the disciples asleep. He warned them a second time. Will you not enter into this hour of prayer with me? And again, the second time he came back, and, and then Jesus basically says, after all this is done, after you failed, God will show himself faithful and true to you. Now, the disciples, had they known what was going to happen when God had asked them to pray, would they have prayed through? Yes, but what they did is they chose their sleep above prayer. When God asks you to pray, I recommend there's a reason behind it, and you do so. Why is it important for us as believers in Jesus to be persistent in prayer And not to to give up. I'd like to share just a few key truths or principles that I think are very important for us to understand that will help us as we go forward. First of all, God has deposited the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Whenever a person receives Christ, uh, again, when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. They were all gathered because of the fear of the Jews. They were all gathered together. Jesus, after he uh, had risen, appears in a room with all the disciples, and it says they believed in him. And he says, and he breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." So Jesus came in, and for the first time ever, the disciples had the presence—not only God in pre- the presence of God in with them, they had God inside of them. So in John chapter twenty, verse twenty-one, God has deposited His power in us now. Before we started our service, again, everybody keeping their social distancing, we had a prayer out in the lobby preparing for this service, and I says, I'd like to read a scripture to you. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, I says, how many of you know that verse? And they all read it, I says, how many of you know the rest of the verse? So, they, one person did. I said, so guys, you know, I'm, I'm the senior pastor here, so I'm going to have to put the rest of you guys on administrative leave if you don't know this Bible verse. You quote it quite often. No, not really. But uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about this verse. Now, when Paul was writing this verse, he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think it wasn't enough just to say hey you know god can do above anything we ever think or imagine he says and, you know in the greek just it's a, it's masterful it's it's not just enough to say god can do it all he says i'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above all so god says this is very important i'm going to do be, i'm going to blow your minds on what's going to happen but again most of us don't know the rest of the verse so let's go ahead <clears throat> the rest of the verse now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, above all that we ask or think and this is the kick, kicker here according to the power that works within us see when 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 a person trusts in Christ it's not just a mental acknowledgement But it says God comes and lives and dwells within us. Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. And it says all the presence, all the promises, all the power of God that is available is in us when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't need to go to the cross again and again and again to pay for our sins, to give us his power, to give us his presence. He says it's kind of a once and done, but yet God says there's so much more. It's not, it's just, this is just the beginning. So God's power, God deposits the full package of his presence, his person in our lives. So I want to ask the question, can God do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? Yes then why doesn't he do it? I'll answer that as we go forward. I'm going to give you another verse. We all know this. This is probably one of the top verses, just like Ephesians 3.20. This is another favorite among believers in Jesus. So let's read it. Jeremiah 29.11 through 13. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, isn't that a great verse? God says he has a plan. So does God have a plan for us? A plan to prosper us? A plan to not harm us? A plan to to give us a hope and a future? Yes. But let's look at the rest of the verse. Then why is it that many of us as believers in Jesus Christ don't know God's plan for our life? Is it possible that we've not completed verses 12 and 13? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, the condition. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. We can have all of the promise of God. We can have all the presence of God. God has deposited his spirit within us. But God says, if you're going to find those things out, if you're going to release my power, you need to come to me. You begin to need to pray. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can know all about God's promises, but if you don't passionately, consistently, persistently, diligently, consistently, persistently, pursue God and believe God, I believe that many of us aren't gonna see the promises that God has for us. So the second thing that God wants to do is not only He has he given us all of his power, there's the power that is in our lives, the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. In order to see that, we must be a part of releasing God's power and how we do that is by prayer, and obedience to what God wants to do. Now, why would God ask us to pray about what he's told us? Like Elijah, I'm going to send rain. But yet, Elijah has to pray seven times before the prayer. Why does God even ask us if God is all-knowing, God is sovereign? Uh, Again, these are called the three indisputable attributes of God. Number one, God is omnipotent. <clears throat> omni- omnipotence, that means he's all-powerful. He's the He created everything. He controls everything. The second thing is God is omniscience. He's all-knowing. The third, omnipresence. God is always there. If, if God is om- omnipotent, omni- omniscience, and omnipresence, why is it that God even invites us to be a part of what he's doing is because God desires His people to come into relationship with us, with Him. God, when when we're praying, we're responding to an invitation for God to move more powerfully. We're, when we pray, we're coming into agreement with the promises of God of things that He said, and He partners. So prayer is a it's a it's a conduit of bringing what God desires in heaven. For us here on earth it's a power to break through you know God has so much more for us as believers than just coming to know Christ God has a plan for us God has Ephesians chapter 1 he has works prepared before we were ever created and when we align our life with what God wants to do when we align our life and we begin to pray in agreement with what God says then God begins to move in power And so I believe the normal Christian life should be the life that Jesus modeled. In Mark 1.35, it says, while it was yet early in the morning, Jesus went to a, a, a solitary place, and there he prayed. And what happened when Jesus prayed, every day he would find out what was on the heart of the Father, what was on the will of the Father, and then he would go out, and every day was one miracle after another. I believe the the normal Christian life, the spirit-filled life, is learning how to experience God, having God speak to you through his word, spending time with him in prayer, getting God's marching orders, and then when we walk out and we've been praying and we begin to obey what he tells us to do, we begin to have faith and pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We begin to see God's power released and the reason God wants to do this is God wants his children to be a part of what he's doing. God desires that you would believe his word, his promises. When we begin to align our life, we begin to experience the full attributes of God, Those all the all-knowing God. And we see that God is faithful. He's consistent. He's always there. He's always true. Let me share a scripture with you. You know, <clears throat> when Jesus... John chapter 20, verse 21, he says he appeared to the disciples, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The next thing he does is he turns around to them. We see this in Luke chapter 24, also in Acts chapter 1. He says, I want you now to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there. I want you to pray, and I am going to send my power. Now, guys, these, these, all these disciples, all of them who had failed to pray, God was faithful even when they weren't. God shows up and he says, now, I have more for you. I want to release my gifts. I want to release my power. And so I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to pray. So 40 days later, all the disciples are gathered together in prayer. They're in Jerusalem. Jesus has gone to heaven. He's ascended into the heavens. And then, what God says is that they were all gathered together in prayer, in unity, in one accord. And the power of God fell on the disciples. And they went out throughout the city, received different languages, went out doing signs and wonders, speaking in tongues, praying for people. Miracles happened, and 3,000 people were saved that day. Now, does prayer bring in the promises of God? Yes and amen. <clears throat> Luke 24, 29, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city of Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. I believe that God wants to partner with his people. I believe God says, I want you to be in prayer so that I can, just as the early disciples, clothe you with my power, with my presence so that you will go out and be my disciples, and these signs will follow. Paul, when he was speaking to the early church, in Ephesians chapter 1, knew that many people had a knowledge of God, but weren't experiencing all that God had for them. So this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, but he prayed for all believers everywhere. So if you'd look at Ephesians chapter one, verses eight, 18 through 19, Paul's prayer. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, all the promises of God, and verse 19, and his incredibly great power for us who believe, that power is the, is like the working of his mighty strength, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power, God says, I pray that their eyes would begin to be enlightened so that they could not only... They, they, they would come to an understanding. They'd come to a revelation. It would begin to grip them. And when they begin to understand what God wants to do in their life, they, 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 it's like this. It's not if trouble comes. It's when trouble comes. But when we know that God is sovereign, that he, is, he he's all-knowing, then we don't have to worry about everything. And God says, if you'll seek me, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, I will reveal my will to you. I'll show you my plan, and I will show myself strong on your behalf. Who be, John chapter 7 verse 38 says, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from him. God wants not just a little trickle. God doesn't, it's like a faucet. God says, if you'll seek me, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, then I'll begin to open up like Rivers of living water gushing out. Now, I believe that as as believers in Jesus, to a high degree, as we begin to seek God in prayer, it's like a faucet. The more you seek God, the more God begins to open the faucet. And the more, God doesn't just want to trickle in your life. God wants you to move in power. He wants you to move in his presence. And for you, I don't know, I, I want to have all of God. How many have ever heard this definition? It's called push. It says, pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. I believe that there are many of us here today, we get to choose what controls our life. We can let the world control us. We can let our habits control us. We can let our hobbies control us, or we can let the presence and the power of God control us.